0: Well, good morning. Uh, I am Heath. I'm the lead pastor here at REACH, and uh, today, here's what I want you to hear. Transformation only comes in Christ. Period. There is no transformation without work. It just doesn't happen. But we, as Americans, want everything now. We are a microwave culture We want to throw something in. We want to have it in a few minutes later. We have no idea. It's not in our DNA to wait to work for the results of whatever. Think about all the infomercials that you've been sucked into over the years and this may have hit more people, um, that are over 30. If you're under 30 you're like what's an infomercial? I've never I've never flipped the channels and got sucked into whatever he just said. But if you're over 30, you know exactly what I'm talking about. That boredom before um Netflix and other things where you could stream all day long when you the TV and the 10 channels is all you had and and when a good infomercial was on you just watched it. Right? Okay. Um <laughs> we all have. Let's, no judgment here. Uh, Anybody remember the six-minute abs? Six-minute abs. The ab rocker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or whatever thing Chuck Norris is selling, which he still is. I literally was somewhere and they had a TV on and they had his little whatever that has the, I don't know what it's called. But they all sell the idea that if you have this one thing, if you have this one thing and you do it minimal, just three times a week, You'll have what they're selling, which is a a fit body. And the truth is, in small print under most of those infomercials, says that these aren't typical results because most of the people that you see on the videos that have washboard abs and they're fit, they've given their life to that. They don't they don't have cheat days where they eat whatever they want. They measure every calorie that goes into their body. They spend. Hours and hours and hours at the gym to get there. But in that moment, they want to sell you because we love to be sold on a shortcut. We love to be sold on the thing that will make our life even easier and give us the thing that we want. Which doesn't work like that. How many of those items have ended up being sold for a dollar at your yard sale? Or, or, just out of spite and anger, thrown directly into the garbage. Don't even want to sell it to somebody. <laughs> Today, we're going to dig into the first verse that I memorized when I got saved in 1994, which is Second Corinthians 5:17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. There is but one thing that will transform you. And his name is Jesus. The question is, and this is the challenge that I give you this morning, is do you believe it? Because we. Say we believe it. We would, most of us in this room would probably identify as Christians and we would say, absolutely, Jesus is the one that saves us and transforms us and and, and turns us into this. But most of us, if we're going to be completely honest, are looking somewhere else to be transformed. We're looking for the next book to come out. We're looking for the six-minute devotional. (laughs) We're looking for that one thing that's going to put us in the position that we want. And the one thing that we rely on more than anything else, and we're going to talk a little bit more about this next week, is yourself. But you were like, oh, but Heath, I have to do it. I have to be the one. Absolutely, but you cannot, will not, ever transform yourself. You won't do it. I'm 44 years old, and I'm dumb enough to believe over and over again, then I it I, it has changed. I can now fix myself. And over and over again, the Holy Spirit brings me back to the realization that it will only come through Him. Surrender. So let's pray. Lord, we need to be captured. Lord, we need our eyes opened. Lord, I pray that you would convict us of our indifference, of our doubt, and of our outright sin. Lord, I pray the hope of your transformation, the hope of being new, being made new as we journey with you, would encourage us, would motivate us. And would help us today surrender more fully to you, to your spirit, to your will, and to your purposes. Lord, let your word speak this morning. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. These words that I'm going to read today are for you. Whether you have surrendered to Jesus decades ago, or if you aren't really convinced about this infomercial. Because I'm selling today, but I'm selling something that actually works. These are for you. Paul loved these people. This is Paul writing to the church of Corinthians and second Corinthians. He wanted them to have the one thing that was worth having, the one thing that was worth surrendering everything. And what I love about letters like this, he wrote to a church that wasn't fully getting it. Which gives us hope because I think sometimes when we walk in these doors, and especially if we walked in these doors, and I I use that loosely, not reaches doors, but like churches doors, and if you've walked in them for decades, you think, oh, I should be better. And instead of surrendering, instead of trusting, instead of pushing through to the grace and mercy that Jesus offers, we hide um, out of shame and guilt from the thing that we think we should have already accomplished, already overcome, already been transformed out of. And we walk in these doors, and we hide behind a smile, and we pretend. And our pretending will never transform us. It will never fool anyone. Because the moment they get to know you, they will see through that. And I don't say that to like, oh, I must run now. They're going to know my secret. I'm here to say Paul was writing to the church and going, hey, you need to get this. You, you may have missed this. This this is how it happens. And it is the beauty. I'm telling you, if if there was a freedom of understanding that we collectively don't have it all together, including me, Imagine how much more grace and mercy we would live in, especially when we enter into community groups. When we walk in there, and I, I love some of our groups that are so connected because they, they have, they've gotten past that point of trying to pretend that they've got it all together. they walk past that point of going, we know you and we love you. And we want to continue to move in this direction. And this is what Paul was writing to his church. And listen to this, and we're going to start in verse 11, but in verse 10, Paul tells them that heaven is coming and everyone will appear before the judgment seat of Christ. And no, I am not fire and brimstone preaching, though the reality is at one point in our life, whether he returns while we're alive, or after we breathe our last breath, we will stand before Jesus. And he's going to ask you, who did you trust to transform you? And that we won't be able to lie like we can here and go, oh, we're trusting in Jesus. He'll know where our heart was. He'll know where we surrendered to. And then he says this in verse 10. It says, so that each one may receive what is due to, For what he has done in the body. Happening. Which is a a wee bit terrifying if you play that out. And then he starts in verse 11. And you understand, I gave you 10 because I want you to understand why he starts here. In verse 11. It's going to be on the screen. It says, therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. Because they understand that heaven is coming. They understand that people's uh, ability to say yes to Jesus will be taken away from them at one point. So he says, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others but what we are is known to God, and I hope it is known also to your conscience. Paul took this seriously to the point that he allowed himself to be swallowed up into abuse, swallowed up into being stoned, into being whipped, into being imprisoned, in, into being beat with a cane. He All of these... So that he could persuade others of the transformation that Jesus offers. In verse 12 it says, "...we are not commending ourselves to you again, but giving you cause to boast about us." So that you may be able to answer those who boast about outward appearances and not about what is in the heart. And so he's saying, Because we, we talked about this several weeks ago when we was talking about like some trust in Paulus, Apollos, some trust in Paul. You know this this like there's like who's your favorite preacher and about him. And he's saying, look, what we are for one, it's known by God what we are, um, and. For the other, it is not just for outward appearance. It's not just like, look how awesome we are. Look how put together we are. And we've seen time and time again, pastors that on the screen look amazing. And their lives are falling apart. I got another one the other day. Someone sent me another pastor that fell. and, and, And everybody's shocked about falling pastors. I don't mean like they tripped. I mean like they sinned. Openly, and I think we forget in the realization that they are just like you are, and I am a person who's still living in this world, still having to choose for God to transform them daily. And Paul's saying, "Hey, we want you to understand that it's not just the outside that we're worried about." Because Paul, he's like hey, sometimes our words aren't what they should be, so, you know, like we're, we're working our fingers to the nub so that we can pay for the ministry so that we don't neglect any of you. He wasn't doing it for a paycheck or for popularity. He was doing it for Christ. In verse 13, it says, For if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you, for the love of Christ controls us. Because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. Galatians 2.20, not on the screen, says, I am crucified with Christ. He's saying, the one, Jesus, has died, therefore all of those who surrender have died with Him. In 15 it says, and He died for all, that those who Live may no longer live for themselves, but for him, for their sake, died and was raised. See, regeneration, transformation moves us from self-centered to God-centered. I think one of the easiest ways to see how mature someone is in their faith is to look at their life. This is the clue. When we've moved out of it's all about me into and I'm not talking about like just fakely, like I'm all about you. You've met some of those people that are just like all about Jesus, but then the moment something happens, you know, it's like, ooh. We'll leave that right there. And I'm not talking about the time that you saw me, you know, get angry in the car. Like I think cars a safe place, as long as you're not running over anybody. After the fact, um, cars are it's crazy. Anyway. Verse 16, it says, And from now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh. We regard him thus no longer. See, when Pete, and he's talking to a people that would have known Jesus, potentially known Jesus in the flesh, and most of those looked at him literally as just that, just another man, just a great teacher. And he's saying now, after the resurrection, we don't look at him as the flesh. And it's the same thing with us. We have to stop looking at just what the flesh is producing in each other. Because we're imperfect. And in that, if we're not careful, if we don't look through our, our, our mistakes, if we don't look through our shortcomings and see the potential of what God's doing, We'll miss the possibility of what God's going to do in people. I think we turn off people way too easily in a sense that, oh my gosh, look what they did. Oh, I'm not having anything to do with them. What, what if, knowing yourself, the church and other believers did the same thing to you every time you failed and faltered? And I'm not saying that we shouldn't deal with open sin. I'm not saying that we just go, everything's fine. I'm saying stop looking at people just in what the flesh produces. And here's verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. I remember it was July of 94. I grew up in church. Uh, Went to Sunday school, did all the church stuff, would have told you I loved Jesus. Jesus died for me, and I'm going to go to heaven. But there was no life. There was no surrender. There was no trust in me. And it was at a camp uh, in upstate New York. I remember uh, at the end of the week, uh, they asked if anybody made commitments to Christ. And, And one of the things that you had to do, which seemed like a big deal to me at 18, was to stand up in this group of, you know, Three, 400 teenagers and just say, me. And one of the first verses that I memorized was this, that if you're in, and in is the biggest part of this verse, if you're in Christ, you're a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. To be in Christ is belonging to Christ We have been bought with a price. It is being empowered by Christ. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives inside of us so that we can have freedom in our mortal bodies. And to be in Christ means that we belong to his family. This is a bad example, but it's the best one that I could come up with because some of us read this verse, especially those that have known Jesus for a while and go, I wish I was more new. I, I wish that old had passed away. And I think sometimes it's 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 muscle memory, to an extent, because we've lived a certain way for a period of time, and we have to break that muscle memory. And this is a bad example. I'm going to go ahead and say this, but it it's it's what I'm going to use uh, for those that have moved um, up in the Apple world into the phones that don't have a button. Okay. For those that made that transition, that had phones that had a button for years, and were used to what the button did and how the button functioned, when I moved up to my iPhone, well actually my iPhone 10, it was almost impossible for me not to try to push a button that wasn't there. You just did it. I mean, if you've gone through this transition, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Like, where's the... You know, it took a while to learn to swipe. But it's that muscle memory. It's learning something new. Even though the phone was new, I was still operating under how it operated, how I was used to the old phones operating. I believe this text is similar to that. Again, not the greatest example. I apologize. You're like, you're comparing us to iPhones? Aren't they from the devil? Um, but the reality is, it's this. I think it's the same thing. It is us choosing to learn a new way of living. This is what God is doing for us. He wants to transform us, and that means learning new things. Every time I pick up my wife, she still has a, a seven plus. It's like the most obnoxious thing in the world to have to push a button. I mean, and, and that I believe as we move into Christ, as we begin to trust and surrender, He breaks these old patterns and helps us create new ones. So if you're struggling in that realm, then it's time to start new things. You can't just have these abs pop out because you want them. And I didn't point at my stomach because there's abs there, there's never. I don't ever remember a period of time where I saw an ab. I mean, maybe if you really pressed in, they're in there somewhere, but anyway, they got awkward. Sorry. Uh, verse 18. All of this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Reconciliation literally means to bring into harmony. And you see this this pattern that he does. He does it in us, and then the moment he does it in us, he offers us this very odd thing, a job, into doing. Actually, I think some of the most effective evangelists, and that's a scary word for some, most effective evangelists are people that just met Jesus because it is so fresh. God is so good that they cannot help but to tell people, oh my gosh, look, this is what happened to me. They, they don't even know what they don't know yet. And, and to be completely honest, they could get 80% of it wrong, but the Holy, the Holy Spirit, and I think we forget sometimes that it is not us or our words that transforms people. Yes, truth is important. Yes, knowledge is important. But it is the Holy Spirit that moves people into that transformation. But he gives us this job of helping other people come into harmony with their maker, with God. Verse 20, it says, Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, making his appeal through us. We implore you, on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. An ambassador... In another country is one that represents the country that they're from. We are, the moment we say yes to Jesus, the moment we enter into that family, we become ambassadors for good or bad to the kingdom. We become the one who are pointing to how good God is, helping others come into harmony with God. Verse 21. It says, for our sake he made him be sin who knew no sin, that in him, also in, very important, in him we might become the righteousness of God. Not only did God impute our sins to Christ, he also imputed Christ's perfect righteousness to us. The harmony that we get is from God. When we surrender to Him, when we enter into this relationship with Jesus, He puts on us what we could not get for ourselves, a righteousness that is from Jesus. If you are in Christ right now, sitting here in this room, you are, are, and are even increasing, becoming more and more so, the righteousness of God. Because it is not based on it. Remember when I said most of us are looking to ourselves to make ourselves good in front of God. We're looking to ourselves to become or make ourselves righteous instead of trusting in what Jesus has already done. Being in Christ is our, and I chose this word intentionally, road to transformation. I believe you enter onto that road of transformation in the moment you bring, breathe your last breath, that transformation ends. But in between those two things, God is going to be working on, shaping, molding you. So here's some questions for you. God is calling us to be reconciled to himself through Jesus so that we can lead others in that same place. Back to the six-minute abs. Would you buy it from someone who didn't have a six-pack? Could you imagine watching the same video with people not with sculptured bodies selling you the six-minute abs? Would you buy the six-minute abs? Absolutely not. You'd be like, nope, didn't work for them. Not going to work for me. But it's funny, if we switch that around, even though we know they didn't get it from that ab rocker, that six-minute ab video, we still buy it. The same starts here. We cannot invite someone in to something that we've not experienced. We can tell them where to look, but we cannot be ambassadors without being part of the kingdom. So here's my last question for you. Who are you trusting with your transformation? And as we go back into worship, that's the question that I want you to wrestle with. That's what I want you to deal with. Because the reality is, and I believe the Holy Spirit wants to speak to that, because I think some of us in this room are deceived of where we're looking for transformation. I think our mouth is saying Jesus, but our flesh and our body is moving in a different direction. I'm going to read a section out of a book um, which I highly recommend. I've read it twice, went through it with people uh, called Instruments in the Redeemer's Hands written by a guy named Paul David Tripp. So this is a, a paragraph at the end of one of his chapters. It says, The central work of God's kingdom is change. God accomplishes His work as the Holy Spirit empowers people to bring His Word to others. We bring more than solutions, strategies, principles, and commands. We bring the greatest story ever told, the story of the Redeemer. Our goal is to help one another live with a God story mentality. Our mission is to teach, admonish, and encourage one another to rest in His sovereignty rather than, in, rather than establish our own. To rely on His grace rather than performing on our own. To submit to His glory rather than seeking our own. This is the work of the kingdom of God. People in the hand of the Redeemer. Daily functioning as His tools of lasting change. Here's the, the premise of what I'm trying to say in the main point of this book. You're going to be somewhat bu- broken, somewhat, your entire life, somewhat, measures. Hopefully, as you're progressing, that, that is changing, it's becoming less, but you're going to be broken, you're going to be in need of Jesus until you're freed from this body. And so most of us miss out on opportunities to grow in Christ, to share Christ, because we understand that we're broken. And so even though in this moment, in verse 17, he's saying, hey, you're new in Christ, you're a new creation, the old is gone, he gives them this ministry of reconciliation right at the beginning. Understand, and this is the the little byline of the book, it says people in need of change helping people in need of change. You're going to be in need of Jesus your entire life. You're going to be in need of the power of the Holy Spirit your entire life. And as you live in that, even while you're broken, you have the capacity and the ability to speak truth to others. Because you're not trusting in you. You're not going to someone and say, if you do what I did, if you six minutes a day. That was weird. Sorry. You're telling them and pointing them back to the one who brings the transformation. I'm going to invite our worship team back up. i want to pray for us. I want us to ask, who are we trusting in for our transformation? Answer that question. That's all I really want for you today. I want you to answer that question and then deal with its implications. Let's pray. Jesus, Lord, we are. I am lost without you. We are are literally jars of clay. But you've chosen your people to carry your message. It's not the broken pieces on the outside that matter. It's the message and the spirit that lives inside. So Lord, I pray that this morning, Lord, that we would acknowledge who we're trusting in. And if it's not you, Lord, I pray that you whisper your words of love and affirmation and appeal to come, to live in, to abide. Lord, I pray that you would transform us, So that it would first impact our family and then every circle of influence after that. Help us be reconciled day in, day out to the Father. Lead us to life. Lord, pour out your Spirit on us today. We pray these things in Jesus' name.